0: This episode is sponsored by carmelamarie.com. Hey, my people. For all natural hair products and skincare needs, hit up my girl at carmelamarie.com. All her products are all natural, made by the finest things on earth like avocado oil, cocoa butter, and honey. Use promo code 070413 for free shipping. Again, that's carmelamarie.com. Popping, my people, what's going on? How y'all doing? Welcome back to another S- episode of The Radical Latino. It's your gracious host, The Radical Latino. What's going on? How's y'all week? Mine's been crazy, mine's been fine. I can't complain, but you know what? As long as I'm here talking to y'all, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? so yeah um i got a lot of things to talk about today a lot you know um i want to talk about the whole trayvon martin um documentary you know i saw part one and i also saw part two um i think it's a five or six part series and i'm planning on covering it all on separately after i get my review right now i'm planning on covering it all separately on my youtube channel so if you guys are not following me Follow me on my YouTube channel at the Radical Latino. You know, you'll you'll see you see all my videos for the podcast and some individual some individual videos that I just do that's not part of the podcast or whatever the case is. And you know, I also saw the black Klansmen. That joint was fucking fire. That shit was hot. It was a lot of I put it on Twitter, there was a lot of deep little messages and meanings and um, you know you know what I'm saying there was a lot of that so I really I really am excited to just break it down and then hopefully that's what I'm planning on doing you know just breaking it down or whatever so I want to hit up the first story right now that um, I want to talk about The in LA there was this white kid Who was a part of a drive-by shooting, killing somebody. He was with two black people. And there was his you know, he was the getaway driver. I believe his name is Cameron Terrell. You know what I'm saying? And did you know that, mind you, somebody died? You know what I'm saying? Somebody died. He was the getaway driver. Somebody died. Did you know he got acquitted? This white kid got acquitted. And there's like headlines of saying, rich white 18 year old kid who drove a getaway car during a murder um, of a black man, acquitted of all charges. You know what I'm saying? And they keep on putting that em- emphasis of being him being rich, rich, rich. Let me let y'all know. It has nothing with him being rich. It has everything to do with him being white, and the system of white supremacy is protecting him. You know why? Because if that was the case, how come the getaway driver for XXX de to murder in jail right now? If that was the case, how come all these other people who get brought up in gang sweeps just because you said hi to the person and you went to the store? In jail right now, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's these whole. I know, especially in California, if you give someone, you know, I, I think if you give someone gas money, you know what I'm saying, and you don't even know that they're gonna go and uh, commit a murder, you get swept up. That's it. You're, you're an accessory. You know what I mean? Like this shit is crazy. It has nothing to do with him being rich because if that was the case, Bill Cosby would have been. Would it be getting sentenced to jail? You know what I'm saying? It has to do with being rich. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with him being white. And that's fucking insane. This proves that the system of white supremacy is, you know, it's protecting these people. It's protecting their own. They don't go by the same rules. And this goes back to my previous episode. The law doesn't apply to us. These laws don't apply to us. It never did. And never did these laws never apply to us these laws are just there to keep us down so we could abide by them and not them you know what I'm saying they don't abide by these laws they can literally go in a drive-by shooting be at the getaway driver and they're totally fine they could rape somebody un- unconscious and they'll be totally fine you know what I'm saying so the, the law doesn't apply to us it never did it never did apply to us and this is and this is basically proof you you got if you guys question this and i'm questioning y'all you know what i'm saying i'm questioning y'all if y'all question this y'all y'all could read the news article just look it up but it's an I, I got it on my twitter you know what i'm saying insane this whole thing is insane but um you know i'm gonna uh, just go to the first topic the Trayvon Martin documentary. It's on, for, for those who don't know, it's on uh, BT, But I believe it's on Paramount Entertainment or whatever the case is. And I'm telling you, this uh is bringing back a lot of old feelings um, watching this documentary. You know what I'm saying? It's bringing back a lot of old feelings because it... it there's a lot of people that I know that still feel like this is something that happened that was unjust. You know what I mean? A murderer got to walk away free due to the system of white supremacy. Um but just looking at it at part one, it touched based on based on that George Zimmerman never went to jail, you know, in the first place because people um especially the lawmakers over there were talking about standing ground standing ground standing ground standing ground you know what i'm saying standing ground all this other bullshit and it has nothing to do you know it they it wasn't gonna get him locked up but on the second like you know there was no um you know based on only his testimony saying that he felt you know threatened which we, everybody knew was bullshit. Everybody knew it was bullshit, but they just took his word for it, you know. And when you start seeing on the second part where Trayvon Martin's family receives a nine one one call, like that they receive the tape, and you actually, you know, you hear the screams and then you know gunshot. And Trayvon Martin's dad, you know, they they tell, say in the documentary he kept on. Pro- pressing replay, 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 like 60-something times, and he said it, he's like, listen, this is, I know my son's voice, that's my son screaming for help, that's my son's voice, you know, still, with that, George Zimmerman was not being arrested, it was still under the stand your ground, stand your ground, stand your ground, you know, and then, um, It had to be, um, Trayvon Martin's dad had to, like, really, you know, do some digging. And mind you, these are things that, first of all, let me just get it straight. Um, before, when the whole Trayvon Martin thing happened, I knew about it, but I wasn't really on top of how I am now when certain things start developing. You know what I'm saying? I was still, you know, I I was still lost, as some people would say but I was still waking up, you know? I was waking up little by little, little by little, little by little, but I was still lost. I wasn't as deep as I am, you know, as you can say, as deep as I am now, I, was, I woke as I am now. But, um, you know, he did some investigation, found out he was talking to somebody over the phone, and when he was talking to somebody over the phone, he reached out and contacted, you know, his friend, Trayvon's friend, and saying that, yes, I was on the phone, with him and she told her account and it's a completely different story for what Zimmerman said and when they brought this person out to the limelight and that's when everything started to ravel that's when everything started to crumble and they had to arrest Zimmerman and they had to you know do all these other things because of her you know testimony so From that to this, you know, everything, you know, this is part, I'm I'm just saying part one and part two, you know what I'm saying? I'll I'll do a better job in part three, you know, when it comes out, um, I'll do a better job and just go into the detail when this is just separate, but, um, yeah, so in part two, you also see George, George Zimmerman's parents, a white dude married to a Latina. And mind you George Everybody's saying But George is Hispanic He's not 100% Hispanic He's half He classifies himself as white He always said it He, always, he the nicest Latin side He even said it I'm white So You know That First of all That, that Latin for I don't believe I do not believe That That White man that's his father. They not teach him some anti-black racism. Some anti-black ideology. Because he doesn't come... It doesn't come out of nowhere. And you know, I bet you $100 that his mom knows about it. She's probably in on it. You know what I'm saying? She's a little Latin bet once right there. You feel me? For enabling these, you know, this type of thing. Because if it happens anywhere else, they, they want to run this shit. This shit wanna happen. You know what I mean? But... That's what it is. And that was very interesting. That was very interesting to actually see. But that was part one and part two. Um, Now, going back to what I'm very excited to talk about. The Black Klansman. I saw that movie on... I believe Friday. I believe Fri, Yeah, I believe Friday. I saw that movie on Friday. And... It was amazing. It had a lot of nuances. It had a lot of little, you know, hitting meetings. And by the way, this is going to be spoiler all over. So if you guys haven't seen it, skip this shit all the way to, to almost the end of the podcast. You know what I'm saying? But this is going to be spoilers spoiler warning. You know what I'm saying? Spoiler warning. It's spoilers all over. So, if y'all didn't see it, oh well. Um, So, the movie opens up with the confederate history. You know, a bunch of people laying down. And, mind you, I seen this on Friday. I'm going to forget a couple of names, okay? So, you got the, um, the racist white dude in the front. You know, talking all this white supremacy shit. You know, um, we, we, you know, this is a state for us, and all this other, you know, just Confederate, you know what I'm saying, just Confederate flags all over. And it's basically like somewhat the the history. And he's just saying all this white supremacist shit, like this is a white country, you know, blacks and all these other people shouldn't even be here. Something very interesting. He kept on referring, he referred at a certain point to people as mongrels. Mongrels is very important because they call a lot a lot of Latin people mongrels. If you guys ever seen There was an interview with Univision with this black reporter Talking to a black Klansman She was gonna be part of a cross burning that she was gonna witness and stuff She was interviewing them and he said that because you know she's a black Latina, but she rec- reclassifies herself as black as she should. And he still, so you know, he still felt the hatred. He saw the hatred in his eyes, and he said, "You are not a human. You are a mongrel to me." That's very, very interesting. That's very interesting. So don't listen, you Latinos that be trying to classify yourself as white. Y'all not Europeans. That's because you know spanish doesn't mean shit you guys are not europeans that's how real white people see you they see you as mongrels they see you as invaders as imposters just because some of y'all got white skin doesn't mean that y'all white you know what i'm saying you guys are imposters so you guys better start you know Learn, learning what, what it is before y'all get y'all nigga wake up call. Actually, you know, Latinos did get y'all nigga wake up call, but most of us still acted stupid and voted for a goddamn white supremacists. But I'm not even gonna get into that because I already did. Anyway, so you get into this Confederate history, and he starts, you know, basically, he's like, this whole thing is like amping up or whatever. It's like an amp up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Before people are like, before a sports team goes outside to play it's like i am you know what i'm saying then the next scene it cuts to the main character which is um ron starworth i believe i believe once again i'm gonna forget names um ron and it's a big sign about um join the police force because you know minority is is minority placement mind you this is like around the 70s okay this is around the 70s this is when job equality is supposed to be something that you know people are looking for you know what i'm saying so this uh you know this uh this uh this guy goes in you know ron goes in and he's being interviewed by a black dude and the police chief and they're just asking him questions and all this other stuff. And they saying, listen, you're going to be the first black cop in Water Springs, whatever. Again, I'm going to forget names. So, um, you're going to be the first cop here. Um, how are you going to handle it? And, you know, he's just going to be cool, you know. Um, you know, just waiting for opportunity, so and so and so and so. And he was, um, the black guy, was like, how are you going to feel about other officers calling new names, racially insensitive names. You know, said like anybody else would say in the interview, I'm gonna just turn the other cheek. But before he said that, he was like, do you think it will happen? I believe for what I remember, do you think it would happen? And the black guy was like, she, you know what I'm saying? Which is funny, but you know, obviously it happens, you know? So he was like, oh, I'll just turn out the other cheek. But, you know, I I like how they, they show that part. That they're looking for equality and minority programs and all this other stuff. So, they won't seem as racist. Remember, the only black guy there ever. Now, when he starts off, he starts off in the record room. Basically, down in the basement and officers coming in. Just to, you know, get records of, of people, you know, being arrested or whatever for investigations. That's how he's starting off, and he, uh, you know, he's already experiencing some racist cops already, you know, with one uh with one incident. I'm the, the, I'm not gonna spoil the whole thing. I'm not gonna say every. I'm just gonna tell you what's important. Then he decides to go up to his boss and said listen i want you know to be i want to be you know in a better position here they were like listen um you're new relax you know you, you're thinking you, you're top top calm down um you're not you you need to still you know grow a little bit more so they put him back into the evidence room until they actually needed him and this is very important Whenever, whenever someone that's not white, especially black folks, are in a job and people from the dominant society need a face of a black man, best believe they'll become your biggest buddies. Best believe they'll become the best of friends. You know what I'm saying? Because they just need you as a face. And a lot of organizations and people from the dominant society, that's what they do. So they won't seem racist or they can infiltrate your own culture and your own community. You know what I'm saying? So, what ended up happening was that they needed him to infiltrate one of these um, pro black, you know, meetings or whatever the case is. So, he got upgraded to, you know, undercover. So, you know, that's what happened. You know, they uh, mic'd him up. He went inside. He met some, some you know, radical, you know, sister girl um, friend there. But, you know, he went and they recorded the whole speech. Again, I'm not good with names. I forgot. But they recorded... You know, he saw his speech, and he was actually, you know, feeling it. He was like, yo, so, yo he's talking some deep shit. You know what I mean? T- he's talking some deep shit. So they went back, and they were like, okay. So the chief was like, all right, so what did you guys find? And he was like, nothing. Listen, he wasn't talking about anything crazy. Um All he was, like, informing the people. And they were like, he's talking about starting a race war. He was like, nah, he was just saying... To prepare ourselves for a race war. He wasn't saying nothing else, but you know, that's basically it. And you know, every, you know, those the two the two white cops that backed him up. It was like, yeah, it, it didn't seem like anything crazy. You know what I'm saying? Now, the next thing is now he's a detective. And you know, now he's just waiting to see what's going on. So he opens up the paper and then he sees a wanted there for the Ku Klux Klan. So, in the movie, well, in the book it was different, but in the movie, he calls up the place, leaves a voicemail, and says, listen, I, I hate niggers, uh, spics, kikes, blah, 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 all these other racially insensitive terms, and I'm a pure white man, and I would like to join, hangs up, not more than five minutes later, he gets a call back they start talking boom he gets contact right um now the this is what the preference the preference of the movie is that he is a black man speaking to the clan and the embodiment of himself is one of the white undercover officers which is, you know, one of his friends or whatever, you know, the undercover officer, is a Jewish guy. So he was supposed to represent, you know, represent, okay, you're speaking, you're really speaking to a black guy, but you're speaking, I'm pretending that you're speaking to me. You know what I'm saying? So it's a Jewish guy. And you don't find this out until maybe like third way into the movie that he's a Jewish guy because of the necklace. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know you were Jewish." And he was like, "Well, I don't really like to talk about it. It is what it is." And then you find out later on in the movie that, you know, he wasn't really raised Jewish, you know, because Jewish is a religion. wasn't raised Jewish, but it was a struggle this his whole life. You know what I'm saying? He never had a bar mitzvah or nothing, so he doesn't really care or claim to be Jewish, but he knows that his family is. He knows that that's what he is. You know what I'm saying? but you know internally there's a struggle there but you don't find that out later on right so Ron the black guy he thinks like there's a camaraderie uh, a camaraderie, camaraderie I can't even speak right now there's, there's like they're both in the same page you know they're both brothers in the struggle they're both like okay you're Jewish I'm black You understand exactly how, you know, how crazy this is. You know what I'm saying? You should understand and you do understand because you're Jewish and you went to turmoil. You went through, you know, um, you've been oppressed. You've been, you know, mistreated. So you should know exactly how I feel. And you should be having the same amount of energy, same amount of hatred towards these type of people as I do. That's very important very important just keep you know stay, keep that in your in, in head now now the white guy the white officer he goes and meets one of the the clansmen for the first time and it's one of their enforcers or whatever the case is right so mind you he's mic'd up you know what i'm saying doing whatever he's mic'd up and shit and you know recording all that so he goes this is very important what he's about to say. He goes, oh, so what about, um, you know, um, tell me more about the, the Ku Klux Klan. The other guy, the enforcer, goes like, whoa, 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 bro. We don't talk about that in the open. We don't even talk about that between each other. We don't even use that word. Even though we're part of the Ku Klux Klan, we don't use that word. We use words as organization. And that is very telling. Because that's code words that automatically, right there in that movie, they're showing you how they're staying in code with each other. They're staying in code with each other. They don't use the words KKK. They use other words like organization, other words like alt-right, other words like alt-likes, you know what I'm saying? Or race realist, you know, other little bullshit, stupid terms they make up, but it all comes back to white supremacy. No matter what. All comes back to white supremacy. No matter how you slice and dice it. It all comes back to white supremacy. So right then and there. They're telling him. Listen. Stay on cold. We don't talk about this. Even with each other. We don't talk about what the name is. It's called the organization. So that's very telling. And also. They never talk about. The individuals who are part of the membership, who are in other superior positions like police police um, officers or law enforcement, higher ranking officers like in the military or higher officials like in government, they keep all of that shit a secret. All of that shit a secret until you actually join or not even. Most of them don't even know. You know what I'm saying? They keep all of that shit a secret. And that's very telling so fast-forward through the movie um this at this uh, part um Ron is waiting for his membership because already he got into the client that say he's waiting for his membership it's taking a while so he calls and David Duke the head grand wizard—that's a stupid name, grand wizard. Are you fucking kidding me? It's some, some Game of Thrones bullshit. Anyway, the grand wizard David Duke, um, you know, answers the phone and, and was like, "Hey, how can I help you?" Listen, I'm looking for, um, you know, the the, the card, this and this and this. But then they make get, like, make up a friendship. They actually start talking every day, every day, every day. Ron, the black guy, with David Duke becomes an everyday thing, you know? To the point where his membership passes and he gets his membership card saying lifelong member or whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, he starts talking on the phone. And at one part point, sorry, at one point, the Ron character decides to tell David Duke a personal story about this... Black, mind you, he's pretending to be white. This black family that used to live across the street from him, and this black kid, and they were friends, but he kind of saw him as inferior and he gave him a nickname, Butter Biscuit. And how they will make fun of him behind his back and call him Butter Biscuit, and he didn't know that that was a derogatory term. And they would just call him Butter Biscuit. Now, when he's saying the story, the camera is panning to Ron's face, and you can see and you can tell that this is not just a story he's making up, this seems like it's a personal story. And throughout the whole time, David Duke is on the other line, laughing his ass off. Now this is very important, it might go over a lot of people's heads. But that word butter biscuit is extremely extremely important if you guys ever read some slave narratives or slave testimonials or anything like that they would consider you will start seeing a lot of words butter biscuit butter biscuit butter biscuit butter biscuit right and you will end up finding out that butter biscuit was during slavery was a way of currency for themselves whenever they snitched on another black person another slave i'm sorry another slave whenever they um did anything good for the plantation or whatever the case was they earned themselves a butter biscuit because that butter biscuit was so good compared to what they were really eating you know All these, all the trash that they were eating with the leftovers. So they would do these, these people that will, you know, fuck up the other slaves and snitch on them or whatever the case is. They would do so to earn butter biscuits. Butter biscuits, I'm sorry. Butter biscuits. And you would see this in narratives. Now, that nickname, you know, um, that nickname will. Mostly, you know, be, be for coons, you know, for collaborators. You know what I mean? That nickname, that that right there is deep. That nickname is saying that you're gonna fuck up your own race, ain't for a butter biscuit. And they called them butter biscuit. That was extremely deep. When I heard that, my jaw dropped. I was like, yo, this is some deep ass shit. It might have won over a lot of people's heads, but that shit right there was deep. That shit right there was deep. So, that's another deep part, right? Another part where fast forward to the movie a little bit um more. Um, Ron is talking to one of the other officers, because they because remember the one of the white officers is about to go meet up with the clan. So he's speaking. He's, talk, he's talking to the other officer that's there, also another one. And he's like, "Hey, what's up with this, you know, racist cop or whatever? You know, what's going on with him? Why, you know, why he got an issue? Oh, that's him. You know, it is what it is. Blah blah blah. You know, he got issues like that. And um, there was a rumor that he shot a black kid in the face, and he felt threatened. Huh? You hear that? He felt threatened." and he goes ron goes why has nobody turned him in yet one of the white cop goes we do not turn in our own our family and he ron says wow that kind of sounds like another people people that that we know talking about the kkk that is very telling right there because that's what's happening now a lot of officers Feel like that's a part of a community, part of a family. You know, you got my back, and all. It's like they're going to war, but they won't turn in their own, even though they know they're doing some fucked up shit. And that's something that has to stop. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're in the Black and Latin community. uh Uh-uh. If you see some fucked up shit going on, you better, better do something. You know, do what Edward Snowden did. Start leaking shit out. You know what I'm saying? But that was very telling right there. Another thing that they really harped on. The preservation of a white woman. How white women are precious. White women are precious. They shouldn't be touched by black men. They're precious, precious, precious things. That also was something that was harped on with Birth of a Nation. So they showed the original birth of a nation which was basically that film was idolizing making the clan heroes that film right there was basically the marketing campaign and the backbone of the clan that kind of made them look godlike. that film right there birth of a nation the original film made the clan look like fucking heroes made them look like the Avengers as it is right now. You know what I'm saying? And in that film, the storyline basically is the black guy, you know, black people, right, cooning up that they cannot get enough of white women and they're chasing white women down just to get to them. White women are running falling off cliffs and all this other stuff and these black men are just doing the same just to get them because white women are so irresistible as if you really see them they all flat chested with thin lips not all of them don't get me wrong there's some white women that be bad you know and you could cut all of that in the middle because some of them are not even natural but whatever not gonna get into that but it, it harked on like, how white women are so irresistible And oh my god We want y'all so bad And all this other crazy shit And that that goes on to white women being Precious and they shouldn't Be touched by black men You know what I'm saying And another part of the movie Was where They show David Duke And the clan and all them, Basically all the recruits getting initiated And the way they did it was in a religious form making it seem like you're doing god's work if you're part of the clan making it seem like this is holier than thou making it seem like if you're part of the clan you are doing god's work and that was very 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 telling because The psychology of that, that psychology of white supremacy, being part of a religion is something so powerful. Because let's be honest, whenever you question somebody about their religious faith, you better go to war. It's something that people just will cut your throat over. You better not talk bad about my religion, my deity, my God especially latin people who believe that god is white oh hell no yeah i dare you to um go put that picture of jesus Cristo down from from the from the from the wall next to the next to the door that with a bunch of little um candles around I dare you take that down you won't get a chancleta in your face you know what i'm saying so white supremacy being part of religion and it's a religious thing that is extremely telling. So that was another thing that I, you know, caught on. That was another thing that I was like, mm, boom! This is crazy. Now, something that I skipped over that I'm gonna go back in the in the like in the middle of the beginning of the film. Um, the the Ron character is talking to one of the other chiefs of police that's gonna be part of the investigation or whatever of the clan he said david duke is cleaning up his appearance he wants to appeal to a wider demographic of people a wider people and he wants to use code words like immigration america first etc 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 he doesn't want to use words like kkk or no one in America, you know what I'm saying? Um, the, the cleansing. He doesn't want to use words like that. And this is what's very funny. The wrong character says, no one in America would ever let a KKK person in. The White House. And the white cop says, coming from a black guy, that's very naive. What's happening now? Trump is in office, a noted white supremacist. Allegedly, his father was part of the Klan. Allegedly. He has history, history of practicing white supremacy amongst black people. One of his wives said that he used to read the book Mein Kampf, a hitler book before he went to bed so he has a history of white supremacy has a history so now fast forward all the way to the end of the movie everybody's arrested everything is done right now um it you know the wrong character is you know sitting down at the table and the girl that now his girlfriend which is you know the, the sister girl that we saw in the original film or whatever it's with him now she was like all right now this is over are you gonna leave the forest or whatever the case is um that gets interrupted with a knock at the, on the door a knock on the door they both get their guns right pointing it out the door they open the door nothing nobody's there they go down the hallway and the camera shows them, you know, the hallway narrowing out with them going down the hallway. And the camera shows fire all the way in the distance while the camera zooms into the window what they got what they're seeing. And what you see is a cross burning. Basically saying, you haven't changed anything. You know, we're still here, we're still strong, and we're still going to stay here. Basically, it was like, you know, a little threat. Now this is very important, and I don't know if a lot of people caught this. While the camera was showing the clan doing the cross burning, they focused on one character in particular with his eyes looking at the cross. Mind you, the investigation is over. The investigation is over, that's it, you shouldn't contact the clan no more, it's over. They focus on a character looking at the cross, They just focus on his eyes. And they show, you know, them throwing the torches in the middle. Focus on this person's eyes again. And then they focus on the cross. Then the camera goes from a tight undershot. Basically panning up. Showing under the hood. And what you see is the white undercover cop that helped Ron in that investigation with the hood on, being part of the Klan. Meaning, meaning that just because I helped to take down certain people, just because I'm Jewish, does not mean that I'm not white first. Meaning that most of what these people were saying, most of what these fuckers were saying, was hitting him home. We're saying that, hey, guess what? I actually resonate with you people. And this is not even become an undercover operation at this point. This is becoming something personal. This is becoming something that I see fit. That it really resonates with me. You know what I'm saying? And that's very telling. And something that I also saw that be, um, from... The the Black Power struggle and the Black Power, co- you know, um, people there, they were always meeting into like you know these places where they wanted to wake people up and you know unifying all this other stuff. And the white supremacists were always meeting up in places where they were always training. They looked more organized. You had to pay dues. You had to do all these other things. And the black folks are just telling stories and talking about what they should be doing. And that is also very telling too. That's what we have to get on. We have to get on one code and one code only. We have to train. We have to constantly train amongst us. We have to also get into a military mindset where we have to say, listen, We all have to get on one code. We all have to unify here. I got, you know, I'm going to be a part of this black organization. I got to pay dues and all the, you know, fund what you fighting for. You know what I'm saying? That's what I did see. And I noticed that. And I'm like, hey, I think this is something that we got to, you know, we got to do. You know what I'm saying? And I like how Spike Lee ended the whole thing. With images of the Charlottesville rally and all of a having a connection to us now where there's nothing really changed. You know what I'm saying? And I really, I really like that part. I really like that part. All right. So now, with those two reviews out the way, <laughs> now let me get into how white people got handouts now how white people historically got handouts the reason why i wanted to make this episode is because um i actually recorded a uber pool ride that i was having because i went to brooklyn for that uh, to see that little protest that they were doing um in new york i don't know if you guys know about it but in new york some asian people beat up a black like two black women and one of them was a grandma because of $5 nails. You know, Asians are wilding out right now. They're little honorary white supremacists themselves. But anyway, they're protesting and stuff. So I was over there, you know, showing my support, talking to people, you know, networking, and all that. And I decided to, you know, get in the Uber pool. Um, I was the first person there, right? And the driver pulls up far away to pick up somebody else. I'm like, all right, it's an older, middle-aged white woman, right? I'm like, all right, whatever. This white woman decided to talk to me, so I'm like, all right, cool. And she decided to talk. I re- Mind you, I started recording this after she was t- talking to me about immigration and all this other bullshit. But anyway, fast forward, I- I- I'll actually edit the clip or whatever, and I'll put it on Instagram or-, or something on YouTube. But the whole point is, she was talking about how her family came here with nothing. Her family came here and pulled themselves out their bootstraps. And how come people are still on welfare and all this other stuff? I shut her down with this. I said, miss, you're talking about you had three jobs and you still made it work. And you have a condo in Brooklyn and all this other stuff. And all of this that you're talking about was uh, during the 50s and uh, early 60s. That you, you were doing all of that and you started becoming financially stable. In the early 60s, ma'am, black folks didn't start getting legal work, mind you, because before the 60s, you could legally not hire a black person. You know what I'm saying? Legally, you started getting people hired, black folks getting people hired after the 60s. So, if anything, you had a head start. That sure her stupid ass all the way up. She didn't know what to say about that. You know what I'm saying? And this is how we got to learn to get with people. So off of that um, conversation, I'm actually going to get the clip up or whatever. But out of that conversation, that's the reason why I decided to make this episode. And I'm going to show you guys a few times where white people historically got handouts and benefits and resources allotted to them. All right, so starting with number one, the 1618 Head Rights Act or Head Rights System. What this 1618 Head right System did was give 15 acres of land for who is the head of the household. So if you were the head of the household, you get 50 acres of de- land. It varies between 50, 100, sometimes even 1,000 acres. But all of this land was Indian territory. Why would they give out Indian territory? Well, the winners of a genocide, they would decide whatever to do with the land, correct? Anyway, for wealthy people, if they brought in slaves or indentured servants, They will get 50 acres of land per slave or indentured servant. So that only applied to wealthy people. That's why they will pack those boats so tight. You know what I'm saying? But remember, any head of the household, any head. So this even applied to immigrants, white immigrants that came over. Black people didn't benefit from this. Hell no black people didn't benefit from this. This is 1618 the fuck you talking about they were still slaves but they didn't benefit from this but yet this white woman told me that this day her parents came here didn't get shit right okay the head right act right head of the household the other one homestead act of 1862 the homestead act so what well, this also this also gave land to people it gave 160 acres of land, but this is where it gave land, to. It was during the Civil War. And the only way you would get land if you have proof that you didn't pick up arms against the, against the U.S. government. Remember the Civil War? So, basically, it was a way to undermine the South or undermine the Confederate rebel who... Um, uh, you know, was going against you know, the confederate you know, the confederacy who was going against America um, they was like, okay, so let's undermine them by giving land to the people fighting for us, and that will give more people, you know, fighting for us to come over here, or whatever the case is you know what I'm saying um, also Irish people You hear a lot of people say, Irish people were slaves, Irish people were slaves, Irish people were slaves, so they were white slaves, and, you know, what happened to them and all this other bullshit, there's a trick game to that. They're absolutely right, Irish people were slaves, but they were indentured servants. Because after their servitude was completed within, you know, five or seven years, it really depends, it didn't go longer than that. They got reparations on land right after that. So that whole Irish people were slaves to narrative, take that shit to bed. Let them know that. They got reparations and also land. So they could, you know, they could eat a dick with that shit. Also, after Abraham Lincoln, this is another thing. After Abraham Lincoln signed the 1863 and patient Proclamation um, thing, you know, free the slaves and all that the government paid the slave owners reparations yes a lot of people don't know that look that shit up they paid slave owners reparations now how much did they pay the slave owners they paid the slave owners $300 per slave $300 per slave and guess what this helped the white elite class more the you know the poor white class they paid like 900 or so to slave owners for reparations but you know per slaves mind you they have like 900 slaves so 300 you could probably imagine how much but this is another way how the u.s government helped white people out poor and rich they helped everybody they didn't care what financial benefit you had you're white we're gonna help you out. All of this, black people didn't qualify for. And the final and last thing the redlining and BA loan programs. What this happened was the federal government backed up these this program by, because they wanna create the white middle class. That's what they wanted to do. After, you know, when cities and towns start to get modernized, they wanted to create the white middle class. So what they started to do was go give low-interest loans out to white people. Only white people benefited from these VA loans. That's all that happened. These VA loans only benefited white people. Black people couldn't get these loans. And if they even tried, they will get the So, also, what the redlining was the banks took maps of cities and states, and they colorized it. Blue will be the best areas, the, you know, the suburbs, the gray areas. Yellow will be the, you know, these are the areas that's coming down, but it still holds value. So you guys could go there, you know, it's kind of, it, it's going down, but it the value is still, it still holds its place. And red are the black, bad areas, the hood, the ghetto, the, the so-called black area. There's no real black area, but the so-called black area, you know? And these are, this is where the term redlining comes from, because that's what the banks would do. And that's how they created part of the government, federal government. um, This is how they created the ghettos. And this is how they undermined those type of people to stay there. You know, those type of people like, okay, the rent is going to be a certain amount and over here and a certain amount over here. You know what I'm saying? This is how it happened. Now, I gave you guys the tools and the keys to for for the for the information. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, if you guys if you guys want to reach out, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Radical Underscore Latino Underscore. And also, if you guys want to hit up the show voicemail, you can always do so at six o nine. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a good one. Peace.